this thing on? No, we did that for a hundred. It's our first episodes. Do you remember the uh, the, the failed pyramidal drums that I put out? Mm-hmm. Oh, is this thing on? I called oh it. Is this thing Those on? are so funny. We need them. Horrible. No, they were so funny. They're funny, though. Because we started everyone with, hello, is this thing on? <laughs> no, but don't you remember, like, what is this, this, and this all have in common? Are we in record? Yeah. And the questions, I was like, I don't know. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. When we were funny. Now we're just old and jaded. We're jaded by show business. Yeah. <laughs> or the lack thereof. Are we though? Are we still ghost hunters? No. <laughs> yes, we are. Mentally. We need to do in, some stuff. In theory. We need to go and investigate some of these actual mysterious disappearances. We might get murdered in these ones though. Because <laughs> these are like real things. You want to go to Germany? No. I gotta see. No. I might. I just don't want to get swept October away by a hostel. For all the chemtrail talk... Men in Black talk, CIA, CDC. Here we Don't go. Get Jeff started. No. I mean, all the things that we talk about. If nobody's shown up at our door yet, there it is. Yeah. No. Exactly we, what we she got, was supposed past to say. Illuminati. So like, we're right. in the clear now. Right. That's because Illuminati. We're all still not here. Real. Yeah. We're all still here. That's right. Jummy you know people I know now that I talk to when I get really bored and I'm just sitting around bullshitting them. Look up the sky. I get, them, I get them started on chemtrails, and I keep pushing at it, and they go, you know... You keep pushing at it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, happen. like, you know, I'll get a text, or next time I see them, I'll go, oh, look at the sky, did you see <laughs> So I got them all hooked on it. Not that it's, it's not fake, it's real people. Next thing you know, they're going to make a documentary on Netflix about you and how you've brainwashed all these people. Right, and I'm going to be the fall guy, right? Mm-hmm. I'll be behind you in bars. Like the head of a cult. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love if there's a buffet at all our studios now. It's um the the parallel food of choice. Well, we work hard. Salsa. We work so hard. We work long hours. Really bad podcast food because it crunches a lot. That's right, though. People understand us now. Mm-hmm. I got Blue say chips them, like, and yeah. Paul Newman. He's he's great with his salsa. It goes to charity. It's for yeah. a good cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really do good. try to eat quietly, though. Yeah. I try not to make large amounts I, of crunching noises. I do gotta say, like, out of all the episodes we've done, like, all the research that we've done for everything, like, this one's probably the most messed up. Or maybe that was just me misinterpreting what we were supposed to do. Well. <laughs> and looking up at a, a murder of, you know, a bunch of children. Because that's where I take things. Oh my god, that is so <laughs> dark. That's even darker than me. That's just scratching the surface. Mm. You're white. <laughs> I don't know. What? Is this a... Was my soul. Joke? My oh, soul. you have a dark soul. Yeah, Rob's is darker. Apparently. <laughs> okay, so should we open the show with a story about a bunch of murder children? Sure, it's like that one episode we did uh, about, what was it, Urban Legends, <laughs> and I was talking about murder, murdered children in that episode, too. I know, there's a theme here. I just look for the most sadistic thing that I Parents, find and... it's such and such o'clock. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you know where your children are? Hopefully not at Rob's house. They're murdered. Oh, sorry. So we're doing murders. Unsolved murders slash unsolved mysteries. Mysterious deaths, mysterious murders, mysterious disappearances. And no, folks, we did not go the celebrity route because that's been beat to death. No Jimmy Hoffa, no Marilyn Monroe, (laughs) JFK, and the list goes on and on. Natalie Wood, who's been in the news lately. Oh, and this is Parababble... Episode 69,000. Yeah, 69, 69, right? 
Is yeah. it really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Coming up to our 75th anniversary. Oh, my God. Episode. Tonight. What are we going to do for our 75th show? Nothing. Sober? What? <laughs> Not until 100. Then what happens? You mean we can't get drunk at 100? We got, we, got, we got 30 episodes to think about it. I don't know. I'm kind of on this whole thing. I mean, you've seen Drunk History. It's pretty good. I think we should try to do all of our shows like that. We did that once. I didn't. It was well. awesome. It was probably one of the best shows ever. It probably was. Yeah. Leprechaun or, or Leprechaun. Lepre- we need to bring that game back. Yeah, we do. It's we got a little ways to go before March. But. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're talking about people dying, disappearing, and... Mm-hmm. Just over mysterious circumstances. That's right. All right. So, um, Rob, you wanted to start because you were so anxious to talk about the murdered children. <laughs> <laughs> what That's a great in on that. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so excited to talk about these dead kids. <laughs> dead kids. Eight, dead nine, kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, no mercy, huh? Nope. We'll just dive right into it. All right, well, what's the story about? So, in June of 1977, at Camp Scott in Oklahoma. Oh, no, it's a camp, and it was in the 70s. And it had a person's name. This is so messed up, because it really happens. Oh, my God, no. (laughs) Tube socks, let's see, tube socks. uh, They were Girl Scouts. They weren't even even teenagers. They were Girl Scouts. It was a Girl Scout camping trip. Oh, geez, that's where they got Friday the 13th from. Maybe. That's what I was thinking when I was, like, researching this. Do you know how many camping trips I went on when I was a Girl Scout? This is really scary. Yeah. Do you know that Reels Channel, they did the true story of where they got the storyline for um, Friday the 13th, not to get off topic, and how these stories... It, if you get a chance to see it, it's on Reels. They always run them on reruns on Sundays and stuff, but really cool stuff on how they came about the actual Crystal Lake. But go on. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these murdered kids out in the middle of nowhere. This sounded a little Crystal Lake-ish to me, except, you know... For our younger generation. Deep in the heart of Oklahoma. Oh. It, it is in Oklahoma. So there was a Girl Scout camping trip in uh, 1977. And so, you know, all the girls, they bunked up to go camping. And uh, there's all these different tents, all right? They fit, like, three to five girls per tent, I believe it was. So they all, like, teamed up together and mm-hmm. friends paired up and, you know. Good times. Pick tents, yeah. So, Camp stories, marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Murder. Uh, there was three girls that uh, decided to bunk up. They were uh, three friends. Uh, they were ages 8, 9, and 10 years old. Okay. And so they decided to go down. It was called the Cookie Trail. Cookie oh, boy. Trail. This um, can't get any better. <laughs> the Cookie Trail. Yeah. Where's Jimmy this the is, pedophile? This is what? real. And yeah, that too. Oh, jeez. Um, so... The cookie trail led to the uh, the tent that was farthest and most isolated <coughs> from uh, all of the other tents and counselors. Of course. So they were farthest away from everybody. All right. And uh, so, you know, they go to bed. And there's a camp counselor. Um, I didn't write down her name here. But uh, during the night, she was woken up by noises out in the woods. And she... Described them as like she almost thought it was like some kind of animal. It was like loud guttural noises she described them as. Mm. So she got out of the tent mm. to investigate and she turned her flashlight on to look around to kind of see what was mm-hmm. going on. As soon as she turned her light on, like silence, the noises stopped. So she went back in bed, went to sleep. 
Um, hang on, let me just find a couple Could it be Elementals? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Could it be fairies? Mm-hmm. Werewolves. Chupacabras. Werewolves. 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 Probably Mothman doing a flyby in Oklahoma. So some of the other Girl Scouts that were not in the Cookie Trail tent um, during that same night, where the counselor, you know, kept hearing the noises, were also they also heard noises. They heard like loud screaming. Things like that. So one, they had one mm-hmm. tent that was set away from all the other tents. Well, it was the furthest away. It was the furthest away. And they put the eight, and then the nine, and the ten-year-old in that tent. That's where they wanted to go. Yep. Oh man, that was bad decision mm-hmm. right there. So um, one of the other Girl Scouts um, reported witnessing someone opening up the zipper to their tent during the night and peeking in. Oh my god! And then zipping it up and backing away. So in the morning. That same counselor that uh, like heard the noises mm-hmm. and went out. She was getting up around six in the morning to uh, go take a shower because I guess there was like you know yeah facilities there or whatever. And on her way to the shower, she kind of like went off to kind of look around in the place of the woods where she heard those weird noises the night before. Because that's what everybody does, of course. Oh. But now it's daylight, so yeah. And she saw like three sleeping bags underneath the tree. Uh-huh. And she's like, that's strange so she went over to the sleeping bags and in one of the sleeping bags she found one of the dead girls that was there and so she immediately runs over to get the other counselors they come back to investigate they take a closer look and they see that there's two other dead girls in the other two sleeping bags they're all murdered uh they're tied up with uh, rope their hands are bound with either rope or duct tape and also two of them were bludgeoned to death and the other one was strangled during the night. And that's what those noises were that they were hearing. Um, let me see here. This is so dark. The death <laughs> we're just listening. I got so many questions in my we're head right like, now. Uh, Way to kick this one off with a bang. <laughs> so along with the sleeping bag with the bodies, there was some other items that were left oh, around geez. the sleeping bags. There was the rope that he used to he or they or she or whatever, who killed him, whoever killed him, uh, used to tie them up so there was a string of rope, some duct tape, a heavy flashlight, and two photographs of two unknown girls or women. That's really weird. Yeah. Clues to maybe somebody else that he killed? Maybe, who knows, but then there was also like, um, so they went back to like the tent that the girls were supposed to be sleeping in. And that must have been like where they were murdered, or at least that's where it started, or whatever, because there was blood all over the the floor, which it was like a wooden floor. It wasn't like dirt hmm. tent, you know. It was like wood. Like a regular, if you go to yeah. Girl Scout or Boy Scouts, they have these tents that are pitched up, but they're built on these crates, yeah, and exactly they right. have uh, cinder blocks under them, mm-hmm. so you can put your camping gear under your bunks and stuff like that. So yep. I totally understand that vision. Yeah. yeah. So there was like blood on all over the floor, but it looked like the murderer tried to like clean it up poorly with like bed sheets and everything but they left everything all, all over the place you understand all that mm-hmm. so where were you in 1977 <laughs> uh i was like like young like uh, i was at boy scout camp when elvis died <laughs> you were at the boy scout camp yeah it wasn't too far down the road because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the boy scout camps were always near girl scout camps they're within driving or walking in a day's distance or half a day. I mean, so a couple hours you could go to Seven Hills or 
you know, you can see at the Boy Scout camp. Yep. Just saying. So. Yeah, so they were all murdered. Um, end of story. <laughs> no. End of story. <laughs> kind of. Uh, no, there, there wasn't the end of story. Um, so, interestingly, a few months earlier, this was in June of 1977 when they were all murdered. In April of 1977, the counselors were at the camp um, doing a training, preparing for all these, you know, right. outings or whatever. And one of the counselors' tent was ransacked and, like, robbed or whatever, like, just mm-hmm. messed up and everything. And there was a note that was left there, and the note said, exactly, it said, soon three camp- campers will be murdered. So. And they assumed it was, like, a prank. So they, like, threw the note away or whatever. And then just a couple months later, this happens. Well, isn't that how every, like, um, slasher camper movie starts? You know, yeah. somebody's going to die, or it's going to be a revenge, and it's going to be out there. So they, they obviously never found who did this. Well, somebody was arrested for it. It oh. was... Uh, somebody? Yep. Gene Leroy Hart. Why so, do they always have three names? Exactly. John Wayne Gacy. Well, it's because you can't just have, like, John Smith. That sucks, you know. John, John James Smith. You got three names? The you're third. a serial killer. Oh, yeah, you're in there. So he was arrested for it because he was suspected to be in the area, and he was a uh, he was a convicted sex offender who actually escaped from prison three years earlier. Um, now I don't believe like he was an offender and everything, but I don't think he was convicted of like murder or anything like that before this happened. So he was put on trial for it, but he was acquitted. Oh. Because due to lack of evidence. Now, there was so much evidence there. Like, there was blood. There was murder weapons. There was the stuff that he tied him with. Everything. And they but there anything. was a lack of evidence. So he was acquitted of that. But he still ended up going to jail because his previous conviction was for 300 years. So so that's where he died. Yeah. He died shortly after this happened because he had, like, a heart attack in prison or something like that. So maybe and he, he never really admitted that he did it. No. But maybe he didn't do it. He was acquitted. There's like a lot of, you know, other theories. There was uh, there's a theory that it was multiple people because there was two mysterious men that were supposedly well, seen in the area shortly before then. It's I'm, a lot of work. I'm going into a tent and I got to keep three girls quiet while I kill one. Rope and tie. How, how do you, how does how do you keep that third girl from not screaming or something? Because you could. If you think about this, you can go in a tent and you can mm-hmm. mouth over two. They're going to wake up. They're going to squirm. That other girl's going to wake up. Why isn't that other girl screaming? She might have not known what's going on. Maybe he punched her, knocked her out quick, and then took the other two. Because he obviously tied the tying of the rope after the fact. Yep. You know, duct taped them. So, and you know, eight, yeah. nine, ten years old. I can, I can see a strong guy taking over a situation like that. But still, that's... Obviously, they did make some noises because, like, a bunch of the other Girl Scouts and the counselors reported hearing things in the night. But for him to, like, continue murdering them throughout the night that long, even after he knows they're making noises and, hey, there's counselors and other people not that far away, you know. Yeah, and to move the bodies over by the trees and stuff that, you know, how do you, well, once they're dead in the tent, you can pick them up and walk away with them and put them under a tree if you want. They're in a sleeping yeah. bag. So, you know, there's a carry and go. Mm-hmm. In a sense, but what would be the point? That's the weird thing about it, and the pictures are weird. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe I think the he, pictures may have been what linked them to this Leroy, Gene Leroy Hart. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm thinking. 
Maybe, maybe it was somebody setting him up. Maybe that's how they kind of got connected to him. Yeah, he was that acquitted. Too. Maybe yeah. he set them up by saying, oh, we know these two victims. Oh, whoa, 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 this is that Leroy guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe someone had some, like, revenge motives. But still, this is 1977, so I have pictures of those other girls who would have had to be, you know, tougher to fake, something like that. Yeah, it was a little more, and you got to think forensic evidence and stuff wasn't all that great back then. That's true, but it's like there was so much left there. It sounds like so much forensic evidence. It's like yeah, they, they, they still did don't fingerprints know. then. Yeah, I mean there was fingerprints, blood, like shoe prints. I'm yeah, there sure. was there was uh, there was boot prints all over the place. So like there was so much evidence, and you look at some of the cases they solve now with old old evidence like that. Uh, that one recently, the uh, the Golden State Killer. Yeah, they kind of caught him finally from old evidence, but this one they still don't know. How do you for know? Sure. How do you always know when the serial killers are? <laughs> it's like you always know mm-hmm. the latest dish on what's happening. He's uh, like, like the, oh, uh, he's uh, like the uh, TMZ of serial killers. Yep. No, I remember that being in the news. They finally yeah, a couple months ago. They yeah they they put a name to him, mm-hmm. and it all matched up. But even you know, okay, so a guy goes in there and kills these three girls. Doesn't leave two pictures. You still have no evidence. Because if they couldn't acquit him on all the stuff that was left at that campsite, whether it be him or the blood or the girls or anything like that, they have nothing. So what do you do? All right, this guy's been in the news. Okay, this here's some photos of the two other people that died. I mean, who, who better to... Uh, yeah, let's set this guy up. Now they have a direction. As before, you don't put them two pictures in there. There's no direction. There's three girls that got died at camp. You put the yeah. two pictures in there. Like, Wait a minute, this Leroy guy. So maybe it went to court mm-hmm. and he got acquitted because it's just there's not so enough. There's, right, there's not, not obvious enough. Right, you know. So maybe like, if you think about it, like who better to frame than the convicted sex offender who has escaped from prison? Easy, mm-hmm. easy money. So. Yeah, that's kind of... That sucks. What I want to know is, does Camp Scott still exist? It still exists. It is not um, operating. That was the last camp outing ever to take place there. It is now privately owned, and it's not open to the public. Well, yeah. Did, did you they know do what... ghost hunts? Look at, this one. Look at this one over here. Starting off with the dark stories. Well, let's go ghost hunting. Let's okay. see if there's three spirits of girls floating around over there. Yeah, well, maybe we could help solve the mystery. Find out who really did it. Bum, bum, bum. Um... My whole thing would be... Like this, like, <laughs> Scooby-Doo crew. Scooby-Doo crew. Who killed you, little girl? <laughs> Old Man Withers. Um, it was Gene Leroy Hart. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Three names. I don't know. I just... Hey, you had to... Yeah, I don't know. I don't like kids' stories. I've always had a... Ugh. Well, then you're not going to like my mysterious disappearance. I, I, we, I don't know have, she, we don't know what actually happened. It's, I mean, it's, well, it's, we know these three died under 8, 9, and 10. That's just some really sick shit. And I just, this I, is a mysterious disappearance. Should we go with that? Because it's a little bit softer. Sure. Jeez. Now that I've brought the whole everything Well, down. if you go next, Allison, and you lighten up the, the mood for the crowd, I'm going to bring it back down. Well, so. that's okay, because then I'll finish with our, our UFO guy. You can't get farther down than what I started yeah. this with. Because so. the UFO guy's great. So I okay. looked into some mysterious disappearances, and this is still an unsolved case. We're all here, right? From 1951. Oh, 50s. Yep. Good year. So Beverly Potts is 10 years old. 
And she goes missing on August 24th, 1951. So Beverly lives at home with her mom and dad, Robert and Elizabeth, and her older sister, Anita. And on August 24th, she and her friend, who was also her neighbor, Patsy Swing, don't these all just have like 50 names? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Such a great time in life. They went to see a show called The Show Wagon. So this was like an annual event that was held every year. It was like a kid's you know, event where, like, there was, like, performers and whatnot. Almost mm-hmm. like, you know, like a circusy kind of thing. And it took place um, at this Holloran Park um, every year. So this is in Ohio, just so you know, too. So the park was just a few blocks from Beverly and Patsy's home. Like, literally, like, a four-minute walk. That's how close it is. So the timeline... So the girls go, and they get their bikes, and they go to the park, and they're there around 7 o'clock, but it's so crowded, and there's so many people that they can't really move their bikes around, they can't ride them, so they ride them back home, and then they walk back to the park. They get there a little after 8. So they're watching the show, and at 8.45, Patsy decides that she needs to head home, because she was told to be home before it gets dark, mm-hmm. and Beverly says that she's going to stay until the end of the, sh- the show, so she continues to watch... And Patsy leaves her sitting there watching the rest of the show. So then around 9.30, another neighbor boy reported that he saw Beverly headed home, walking through the park towards her house. Um, There was other reports that said that she was seen talking to two men in a 1937 Dodge Coupe, but no one actually saw her get in. So when her family um, first gets involved, it's about 10 o'clock that night. And her parents go out and look for her for about an hour. They can't find her anywhere. This is a four-minute walk. And then they call the police. Yep. Literally, like, four minutes. Like, a quarter of a mile from her house to the park. And, I mean, it's a small neighborhood, so everybody knows each other. Right. And they you know, know their familiar faces and right. the kids in the neighborhood. So the investigation starts. The police search everything and everyone. They went door to door. They even used a plane to fly over open train cars to make sure that she wasn't, like, in one of those they investigated thousands of telephone tips. They even offered a reward, which was like $1,500, but nowadays that would be like $15,000. Right. Um, but they ended up with nothing. No sign of her anywhere. No one has seen her after these like sightings of her. They can't find her. Nothing. Just vanished. Just vanished. So the police theory, they had a couple theories. They said that she... Um, might have been lured into a car by someone she knew. Um, she babysat for people in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. so that could have been like one way that they got her into the car. But she was known to be very shy and very cautious of strangers. So if she did get into a car with somebody, he had to have known her. There's no way that she would have ever gotten into a car with someone she didn't know. Okay. So that could have happened. Um and then they thought that maybe she was just murdered by a neighbor and that she was buried, like, somewhere in the area. So, like, it was, like, a real quick thing. But, again, it had to be somebody that she knew. So the suspects, there were several that were investigated, but none were ever fully connected to it. Harvey Lee Rush. There it is. He's got three names. Um, confessed when he was arrested in California. But he had the year wrong to when this happened. And basically, when they took him back to Ohio, he recanted the story, and he told everyone he just wanted a trip back home. Nice. So. A little morbid to get there, but he did it. Right. William Henry Richmond. (sighs) More. 
He killed an eight-year-old girl in Pennsylvania right around the same time that Beverly disappeared and told another inmate that he had killed three more girls. Um, he was in the right area, but refused to say one way or the other whether or not one of those was Beverly, and she was older than his preferred age. So the strange thing about this is that the 50-year anniversary of this case, police start to get these letters, and actually it goes to like the local newspaper. And this is like a, a really known case in Ohio, and people even still nowadays talk about like how their parents... Um, it like affected their parents because <clears throat> there was like this feeling of innocence before that and then it got a lot more strict for kids you know parents wanted to know like where they were who they were with right because this had such a huge impact and because they never figured out what happened to her so there's two weird things so one is that there was a letter that was found underneath the carpet in a house in her neighborhood 40 years after this happened that was written by a woman that said that she knew her husband killed Beverly in their house and put her in the furnace. So when the police, like, they were, like, somebody sold the house. They were, like, renovating. That's how they found this letter. So when the police did all the follow-up and found this actual woman, she said that she did it um, on a whim because she was trying to frame her husband because he was abusive. So they investigated it, but they could never, like, link anything to him, so they didn't pursue it. So then right before the 50th anniversary of this, so this was 1951 this happened, um, the local newspaper starts to get this le these letters from this man who claims that he killed Beverly, he's going to describe how he did it because it's the 50th anniversary, all these things. So they get a series of letters. And then right when it comes up to the anniversary date of when she was missing, they get this letter saying that the man has to go into a nursing home so he's not going to be able to reveal his identity. And that's the last letter that they get, and they don't have any clue as to who he was or where they were mailing him from, nothing. So some people think it was just a hoax because it was like the 50th anniversary. Other people really think he was the murderer and then just either backed out at the last minute or something happened, but her disappearance still remains a mystery. So... He went into who, who sits around and says, "I got an anniversary coming up." Hey, you know what? Dahmer did this twenty-five years ago, and they never really caught him, or they thought this was the guy, or you know, just I'm just using him as a, yeah. an example of a no-name in a sense that I'm going to claim it somewhere down the road. You know, all these kids died here, blah 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 blah. Who does that shit? Why, why are they hanging out just waiting for that anniversary? Yeah, okay, I got a free trip back to Ohio. Woo! Whatever. Well, because I think sometimes they do it because it's like an homage to the original serial killer. Like, so we're definitely going to say these are other sick there are other sick people out there. Oh, yeah. Just There's hanging been, out. With, hasn't like, there been like a lot of people that have done copycat crimes after serial yeah. killers? I think Zodiac probably had a bunch of copycats. I'm going to say any of these kids that are doing BDK school shootings. BD, um... BTK. Oh, BTK. Did he have copycats? Um, I don't know. Probably. See, I, the only way I can remember that acronym is when I remember what the words mean. <laughs> it's like Burger King, but you put a T in the middle of it. Yeah, it's like that's BTK. How I, yeah. yeah, that's how I would remember it. It's great marketing for Burger King, by the way. They can Thank take you. that for free. Burger but King. I think that's like a pretty free common cars. thing, is that people like 
get obsessed with but who sits around the celebrity. It's so crazy. What, they're going to get 15 minutes of fame and they know they're not guilty, so they got them on nothing. But then again, then again, how many people have done that who are maybe the true killers and they just, they, they just give them one false piece of information and they're, they're I'm like right in your face. What are you going to do? Oh, I wasn't there. Well, didn't match it's like up. a weird phenomenon because I feel like a lot of serial killers do things because they eventually want to be caught. It's like a weird dynamic. That's a really weird dynamic to go that route. And this girl only lived four minutes from where she was going, so it's almost like hide in plain sight. Yeah, and she's like leaving an event where all of her neighbors are out. I mean, there's people around. It's not like she was like walking down the street by herself at you know ten o'clock at night. I mean, and just vanished. Nothing. Just vanished. Never found a trace of her. Until the end when that story came out, maybe, you know, in the furnace. More murder children. Oh. Beverly Potts. She might Beverly still be Potts. alive and be out there. Who knows? I don't think so. You don't think so? 51. So, so say that guy went into the senior home. He's protected by that. Well, I don't think he's just protected. Yeah, it's just he's too old and feeble. Like he's going to so die then, anyway. Well, they're not going to they're not going to be able to think about it. I mean, he's not going to be able to have a clear mind, and his testimony is probably bullshit. So that makes it. I mean, there's been people that have worked on the case like throughout the years. Certain police officers have picked it up it? and tried to. Yep, but they've never been able to solve it. Yeah. Um, you got to think about like all these unsolved stories and murders. How many people get lucky? How many people actually get away with it because it's well planned, and they outsmarted everybody? You know, I mean, how many different ways can you out? How these serial killers or killer killers? How many of them are that genius to get away with it? To figure out the perfect, you always, you know, you, you see these stories, uh, any of these TV shows, Snapped or whatever, or I almost got away with it, and this and that. You know, they have to think about this shit. They and when you sit there as a viewer and watch this and actually hear stories of like what we're doing now, how they got away with something, or that one little thing that tripped them up, like, oh, they wrote a check. You know, now you have somebody else out there watching it, going, fuck, you paid them fuckers in cash. You know, and be done that way. It's like BTK who got caught by uh, sending like a, a, a floppy disk or a CD drive from his church. Right. Yeah. So that brings it, here, here brings in someone who's unstable watching these shows, and they want to be the next serial killer. Well, they say, though, that serial killers get sloppier and sloppier as the time goes on because part of it is that they think they're either so good, good that they'll mm-hmm. never get caught mm-hmm. or that it becomes like a challenge. Yeah. Like, Will they run out of good ideas? Go. Yeah. All right, we're going to take this one over by the railroad tracks. Uh, you know, we're going to do this by the water. Or we're going to do this, okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe each killing is <coughs> it's in a different it's in a different area. There's different things going on. Like well, if you take someone to a field, you have X to work with. If you're by water or shoreline, you have something else that's working against you. So you got to think these things out. They're killing because of the rush that it gives them when they kill. That's like the thing. So they have to keep upping the stakes to get that same rush because... It becomes harder and harder to get. Right. And how do you, and like you said, also, you, you might slip up because yeah. you're beginning, you start so now you're getting. you're not killing one person, now you're killing two people at a time. Now you're 
Or hell, you might be at your tenth person. Think about some of these super killers. This is so dark. Such a dark conversation. But, no, but you have to face some of these things if you're really digging in. What do you think these investigators do? These uh, CSI and FBI people—they get in the heads of these killers and really figure out. And these some of these killers give up this information down the line. Well, why are you doing it? Well, now we've built a profile on how serial killers work yeah. and what their goal is. Mindhunter. It's a Netflix show. Okay. Did you see it? It's no. really good. You should. You get up to 10, 15 people, you're like, I got this. I, takes, I know how to cover it this. It takes place in like the 60s, doesn't it? Yeah, that was, it was actually the FBI agent. It's based on, I believe it's based on a true story about the FBI agent who kind of started profiling, with the profiling mm-hmm. of these serial killers back in the 60s. And they they feature like real serial killers. Well, wasn't that if Catch Me Now? Wasn't that with uh, DiCaprio where they started prof, uh, doing... Um, they were doing something that's now like a protocol for scam. Oh, scamming bank. Yeah, he was like a kind Checks. of man. Yeah, it's a yeah. little different. This show's really good though. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, Mind Hunter, I think. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. it's only had one season. Does uh, so Netflix far. carry podcasts? No, but they should. They should. Netflix, we support you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spotify, so, Paramount. Are you going to bring this down again so that I can end things on a late <laughs> note? I won't bring it down as much. <laughs> Mine might be just a little more mysterious and. Because I'm a little afraid that my person might actually happen to one of you. So What the <laughs> shit? Really? Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm following you to the car tonight. And <laughs> I'm having my keys in my fingers. And All right. So I don't think mine is as grim with kids. But, you know, now that I thought about it, there are a couple kids in here that, you know, bit the bullet, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't bite the bullet, but you'll... You'll see, but okay. So this this uh, story um, I was trying to pronounce this earlier. It's called. It's from Germany, just outside of um, Bavaria. It's Bavaria. Bavarian cream donuts. Bavarian cream donuts. Uh, no. Yeah, Bavaria. Bavarian yes. Germany. Yeah. Okay, so this is on a farm. This is um, the Hinterkaifeck murders. Um, H-I-N-T-E-R-K-A-I-F-E-C-K murders. Yeah. Hinter Kafek murders. Okay, it's a story about the Andreas uh, <laughs> Gruber family. Um, this took place back in 1922 <clears throat> in Bavaria, Germany. Um, and there was a slaughter that happened on this farm. Good folk doing their, doing their deeds. But um, before these murders happened, um, Andreas Gruber was telling his neighbors that there were certain, giving them warning signs, that there's some strange things going on around his place that he couldn't understand. Um, he found some footprints leading from the woods to their farmhouse, but no footsteps leading away from there. So, you know, he made mention of it, and people were like, eh, hey, whatever. Um, he heard footsteps in his attic, which right there would tell me what's going on, where is everybody in this house, because when you see it, it wasn't a small family. Um, it also, he saw unfamiliar newspapers laying around the property, which, you know, I don't know. And then the big one, that would have set off a red alarm if you saw footprints and footsteps hearing them in the attic, is his house keys went missing. Now, we all lose our house keys. Somebody's going to come up with it, or we're going to change locks. But probably back in 1922, you didn't think, you know, you're on a farm, someone's going to come out there and, you know, 
I got the keys. I'm going to go through this place. So <clears throat> what tipped this whole scenario off was um, the bodies uh, were discovered four days after the murders when the seven-year-old girl, her name is Kazilla Gruber, never showed up to school. So they're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Where is she at? Where is she at? Where is she at? She's not at school. She's not at school. She's murdered. No. She's, oh. Let's go check her home. Okay. Okay. So that's what they did. So they go to her home. Mm-hmm. And they find. Well, they find um, the first four victims mm. uh, had been lured into the barn separately and murdered one by one. And they knew that. They knew they, they were knew when, one by one. Apparently the way they were laid out. Ooh. Okay. They this, were there. This is a gruesome scene. So this guy, this guy or person was, you know, he had it planned out. However, this is working. Um, the choice of weapon that he used, you would think, is what? A knife, a gun. What else we got around there, in the farm? Like one of those sickle things. Yeah, well, you're close. Yeah. He used a pickaxe to kill them all. Uh. So, the girl doesn't show up, Kazilla. Then there's, that leads them to the barn in the farmhouse to check for, and they find four more victims. The killer used pickaxe. Well, <clears throat> here's who was killed, and this is kind of how it came down. Andreas Gruber, the guy who immediately said, oh, there's some strange shit going on here. Let's not raise any red flags and keep going about our daily business. He was 63. His wife was also named Kazilla. She was 72. A widowed daughter, Victoria, she was 35, and then there was their daughter, Kazilla, or actually, I mean, Victoria's daughter, Kazilla, seven years old. So that was the seven-year-old that went up missing. <laughs> so there's your four. Then the killer or killers went to the house and murdered the two-year-old, Joseph, and the maid, um, Maria Baumgartner, who was 44. So we got that all wiped out. Now, there was, there was no clues to this. There was no witnesses. Um, the police did something really weird, and I never heard of this. They took the strange steps of removing the victims' heads and sending them to a clairvoyant in Munich. Huh. That's interesting. And they got no results. Well, gee, you think? Huh. Well, you know. People did used to think that there was a superstition that if you die with your eyes open, they would see the killer in their eyes. Like that I didn't reflection. know. Mm-hmm. I thought that people. Well, I thought that was just out of fear. So, but you know. Well, regardless, your eyes mm-hmm. are open. You're seeing what's going on. So, <clears throat> probably not a good police tactic, though. So they got the heads, and then what eventually happened here is they have um, not too far from the the place that this happened. They they put up a memorial with the six victims buried without their heads. They never returned the heads to the body, and they just buried the bodies. Then they went looking for them later on, but the skulls, which went to Munich, were lost in the chaos of World War II. So the heads went one way, the body went another. We have an unsolved unsolved murder, serial murder in this case, and they questioned a hundred suspects. Jeez, there were a lot of people in that town for them. So, what do you got? 1922 to 1986. They questioned people as late as 1986. Wow. That's 64 years. They just couldn't let it go. 
No. So, with all that being said, they had no leads, no nothing, bodies scattered, blood everywhere. But there was a strange thing going on at this farmhouse because obviously they took all the bodies out, they cleaned it up, and it was left there. Um, after the murders, smoke continued to come from the chimney. Someone fed the cattle, and people were uh, in the kitchen eating food. So somebody must have been rummaging through there to know that this, somebody was living there, but they never said who, hmm. and there was no other answers to it. So these six people all died un, under mysterious conditions. You know, um, I just think it was kind of odd that if you're 63 years old and you've been on this planet for a while and you live on a farm and you start seeing some really odd things going on, different unfamiliar newspapers, you're hearing footsteps in the attic, which, you know, maybe you can write that off as the child. Oh, she's up, because it was up there playing, she's 70. But somebody must have accounted for where everybody was because this guy was hearing it, whether they be at chores or whether she at school, whichever. Um, it's just, it, your house keys go missing to this place. You would think that you might want to change it. It's crazy though. It's like the same thing. How do you start with one and get all the way to the end of that without anybody running away? You know? Well, I think they were lured. Well, here's the thing. You said, oh, separately. So this guy or this person, whoever it was, had to pull them away and get them to a barn somehow and get them in there to make them, re you know, pull them in and say, hey, one down. All right, let's go get the next one. Get the next one. So you got four of them plus the girl. That will, well, and three like, well, plus all the that's girl. going on, no one's like, where's, where's Joe? <laughs> you know, like, no, they farm. They could have been farming. They could have been doing their chores. Who, who so knows weird. during the day? You know, it's, it's like uh, Michael Myers. Right. Tactics. You know, I'm checking out, I'm checking out all this stuff. The foot, where are the footprints coming from in the snow? You know, how this story's set up. They come to the, the, the farm, but they never go back out. Well, damn it, follow them into the woods. Where did they come from? It has to come from somewhere. You know, unless it's one of those, you know, classic, true, and they came from the creek, and on the other side of the creek, there's nothing. But these footprints, if you see them coming to there, obviously it's the police, and after the, oh no, the gentleman saw that, but he can't talk. He's beheaded at some point, or <laughs> pickaxed. So... You know, he he was smart enough in the sense to say that stuff was going on around there to people. So these stories kind of came back a little bit. You know, who's going to know about the newspapers being different or the house keys were missing? His neighbors, he was telling, they, there was warning signs. So he made, he made note of it, but he just didn't take any action to it. And then why do you, you know, like you said, you know, why do you chop off the head and take it to a clairvoyant to say... Oh, you know, maybe they were still under that theory that the eyeballs are open, they can see. Yeah. They were almost Nazis there doing... And then somebody else, just, what, somebody else just comes creeps in the house. Why didn't they follow up on that? You know, smoke out the chimney, cattle's getting fed. Oh, people are eating there. How yeah, really, this? take it out. Wait for somebody to come feed the cattle. Yeah, but they had the war going on, too. It so, just sounds shoddy. Do what, you said 1922? Yeah. That was before the war. 1921. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's how the heads got lost, because it was all nutso out wow. there in Germany. I thought so, you said World War II, then. Maybe I did. I meant one. Yeah. But... <laughs> he meant whatever. We knew what he meant. Sure. Here was so, a war. Yeah, one of the them. Gruber, the Hinterkafuck <laughs> murders. Or should I say feck? Fuck? I don't, I don't know what you should say. <laughs> Hinterkafuck? 
It's very hard. I don't speak German. But anyway, Gruber's family bit the dust and no one found out down the road. So are you going to enlighten us with this one now? I am because I'm a little worried that this could happen to one of you, that you could become obsessed and this might take place. So um, this is a strange, mysterious disappearance of a man named Granger Taylor. So Granger Taylor lives with his parents in... Um, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Sounds like a lovely place this time of year. And this took place in 1980. He was 32. So, yes, it's already weird. He's 32. He lives with his mom and dad. He, um, yeah, like, okay. First strange thing. Uh, But Granger was a really interesting person. So he dropped out of school when he was in the eighth grade. Um, But he was like a mechanical genius. So he found a locomotive that was like in the woods that was all broken down and he completely restored it to the point where it was actually bought by the local railroad company and like put up so that people could tour it because it was such like who amazing does work. Right. right. Who does that by themselves? So he did that, which was like a big thing. He bought a Kitty Hawk warplane, which he completely restored that actually sold for $20,000 the year after he died. It Well, died, disappeared, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so he got his pilot's license. Like, he did all of these things. But there was one thing in particular that he did that was very strange. He built a flying saucer replica all on his own out of all different kinds of, like, random sheet metal things he found. And he basically lived in it. So he put a couch, potbelly stove. He became obsessed with thinking about how like space travel happens and how these flying saucers moved and how they flew. Sounds and like a Woody Allen movie. He read and he read and he talked to everybody he knew about how obsessed he was with all this stuff. So he started to believe that he was being contacted by aliens telepathically. He started to think that he would like fall asleep and they would talk to him while he was sleeping. What are you pointing at me? <laughs> and basically, they invited him to come on this voyage. And he told all of his family and friends about this. He changed his will to say, you know, so and so has died. He crossed out died and wrote departed. He left a note for his mom and dad. I'm going to read you this note because it's pretty ridiculous. But basically, um, on a very windy night, November 29th, 1980. 1980? Yeah. Oh, that's recent. Yeah. This was like a windstorm that happened. It was like hurricane force winds. Power goes out. Power lines are down. All this stuff happens. The next morning, Granger and his pickup are gone. And there is no trace of him anywhere but just his note that he left for his parents. And his note said, Dear Mother and Father, I have gone away to walk abroad in alien spaceship as reoccurring dreams assured a 24-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe and then return. I am leaving behind all of my possessions for you as I will no longer require the use of them. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help love Granger. So his family has absolutely no sign of him. He's never seen. The pickup truck's never seen. He left $10,000 in his bank account. He um, left all of his possessions. 
And his family really thought, like, his mom and dad really thought that maybe he might come back after that 42-month period. So they even, like, waited for him that day, thinking, like, maybe he'll return. But he has never been seen again. Um, Rob, you're going to disappear. So he had no reason to fake his death. Like, he wasn't on bad terms. He didn't owe money. There was no reason that he would do that. Money in the account. There was no reason why he would have been suicidal for him to go and try to kill himself because he had no, absolutely no reason to do that. There was no, like, you know, signs of any of that happening. He just literally drove away in his pickup truck and disappeared. Do you think he might have thought in a sense that... All right, so he lived in an, he lived in a spaceship or whatever he did because he was really with it. But that's 1980. It's not like it's all funky and psychedelic. And so he lived in a spaceship. Maybe he just bought into it a little too much, and he just said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go and make history for myself. I'm gonna make myself disappear." I believed in the aliens. Blah 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 blah. blah. And he just it didn't pan out that way. But how do you? do that and not come back say say he say he just walked away just to walk away look how do you make the truck never be found that's easy you can put that in the bottom of a lake somewhere but the problem being is there's got to be people that know him you know or would recognize him if he stayed in that area he was not an easy guy to slip away either he was like i don't know six two two hundred and thirty pounds so right there, he's in a certain demographic right away. I mean, he was a pretty good-sized guy. They used to call him Gentle Granger because he was, like, this big, huge guy that everyone, you know, he looked very intimidating, but he was actually really sweet. Yeah, but what's the point? Maybe he was a little right. disturbed. Well, I think that's what everyone was trying to figure out. Like, if he was still alive somewhere, why? And... Here's the other thing. He said $10,000 in the bank account, right? Yep. So if he was going to walk away and he needed money, did he have more money? Say he had 20000 he only took ten and it disappeared. But they would have said something about that because somebody would have seen the transactions. His parents even put the $20,000 that they sold the plane for the, day, the year after he disappeared into that account and it was never touched. So... Had he been saving up to do this, or just nobody knows? It's that is kind of a weird story. What What would be the? Did he tell anybody so that he got abducted and got killed, or they took the truck and maybe. he knew? Maybe a friend knew the story. He's like, oh, just make this asshole disappear. Maybe something went wrong in his intergalactic trip. <laughs> Help up. Well, that's the thing. Like he got in his truck and drove away. No signs of foul play. Yeah, why would he need this truck if the aliens were going to come lift him off? Because he was going to go to the meeting point. Oh. He had to go and meet them. And if this became like a unsolved, mm, not murder, but disappearance, you know, how far would they take it? Would they look for a name change? Maybe he went to change his name, but that would all be, you know, in a government, a government bank somewhere, you know. This person, because you know, the government watches everybody. Even in the '80s, I mean, that, that stuff was going on. Not, no money was touched. I mean, and this was a pretty big case. His picture was everywhere, so it would have it wasn't been hard. Just local, it was... no. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you know, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, but all of British Columbia, all of Canada, 
I mean, he this was like a pretty big deal that this guy had just up and disappeared. No so, no no wife or anything like that. Just nope, it was just, just him. So his picture would have been up. I mean, you know, if he was trying to hide. What's his name again? Granger. Granger Taylor. Jeff's gonna go down a rabbit hole soon. I could tell. Well, it's in, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, what you know? What are some of the reasons why? You know, maybe he was. You know, was he one of those people that were just like to himself, introvert, and you know, he never dated anybody, saved up money, and said, "F this, I'm out." But what's the point? You would probably reach back to your family. I mean, I, I don't know. There's just so many places you can go with it. It's just well, that's nothing just to work it. off of. It's, it's just, just it. And then when they put, no one's touched the money, so they put the extra money in the bank account. It stayed the same. Stayed the same. This guy would have either had to have money to survive if he was just trying to get away and change everything. I'm thinking he told somebody. But to see, that doesn't make any sense either because someone would come forward. Right. No sign of him. No. There was one weird thing that did come up. Is that on the back of the note that he wrote to his parents, there was a map of a local mountain so when police did go there, they found a huge crater. But there was also dynamite missing from his parents' house. So mm. they don't know if he blew up the crater. But again, no sign of him, no sign of the truck. So... If it was dynamite and suicide, you probably would have found pieces of them. Oh, well, yeah, there would have been pieces of the truck, pieces of him. The truck he could have ditched and switched out for another car. Nothing. This is just really elaborate thinking now. Right. To go down, like you said, there's so many many different ways. Well, yeah, he dumped out the truck. I mean, he wanted to become infamous in the news. And, you know, the little alien story is kind of cool to throw in there, too. And people going, oh, abduction. Maybe, Maybe his whole point was to think or make people think that he was being abducted. And who, let's face it, who wants a truck? These aliens want trucks? They fly. Yeah, I wouldn't want a truck if I had a flying saucer. Right. Zip, zip. You're mm-hmm. you're there. It's a mystery. It's a mysterious What do you think he did? What do you think happened? What do you think happened? I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Because I don't know what the motive would be. You know, he had family. He had friends. He had a life. He wasn't mentally ill he wasn't depressed he was obsessed with what he was dealing with but he was also like super super smart like genius smart and I think with that comes a whole nother level yeah another whole level of challenges but it's also got to make you think that if the aliens are looking for a good (laughs) person to tap (laughs) let's put this DNA spark in here (laughs) he's building all kinds of stuff he's like a mechanical genius built a train he built an airplane too built an airplane so you know land air what's in that did he build a uh, you know and how do you even do that on your own by yourself as one person it's pretty incredible maybe he had help mm. uh, you know if he had a friend but I would think at some point this friend would say alright yeah he's gone yeah you know and he really wanted the story to be bigger than what it was it's just really weird and when I read it it made me want to look for more mysterious disappearances more unsolved mysteries. We could always do a second round table at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. 
these uh, unsolved mystery episodes are always. Do you think the chain like the chainlings took chainlings? They could have, but they didn't replace them with the chainling. Granger Taylor, if you're out there, send us an email. How old was he? He was 32 when he disappeared in 1980. So, so he'd be dead by now. You Not would, necessarily. Well, would that put him in his? I'm uh, slate. What are we doing math here? 80, 32. He'd be it's like 40 years. He'd be like 70 something. 60, 70s. Okay. Yep. Yeah, send us an email. Nobody else. Granger. So why not? Granger. We're Fair open, man. We'll we come want to you. We want to hear your story. Yeah. We can go portable if we need. Yeah. We'll come see you. Just well, yeah. You can reach out to us. You know where we're at. Yep. Any of our listeners. Where are we? We're at Parababble everywhere. Parababble everywhere. Everywhere. Is that an actual site? Parababble everywhere? No. Dot com? Is that no, like www.allisonsmith.com? No, there's no dot coms. Oh, we don't do dot coms no, anymore? No. So Parham.com? Well, I don't do that because you're so knowledgeable. Stop it. Just patronizing me now. Good night. Good night. Murder. Murder.